0: Welcome to The Spirit World, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now, your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly.
1: Well, hello there, and welcome to The Spirit World. I am Debbie Giorgiani with co-host, religious demonologist Adam Bly, and hopefully you today. We are live call-in show. This is your show, The Spirit World, and we are tackling deliverance and healing ministries, retreats, and things you need to know on The Spirit World. But Adam, let's dive right in, and we always begin in prayer with the St. Michael prayer.
2: In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may god rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou o prince of the heavenly host by the power of god cast into hell satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls amen in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen
1: Amen. I love that prayer. Okay, folks, here's how it works on the spirit world. We are live. We are taking your calls today. Here is the number. Put it down on a piece of paper so you're ready to go if you have a question or comment about the topic we are going to d- discuss today. 877 877- 7, 5, 7, 9, 4, 2, 4. And we have Tim Mott at the controls. He's our producer. He's waving. Yes. And oh, that's right. We are on uh, Facebook and YouTube live. Our videos are on. So go to Facebook. Go to YouTube. Go to GRN online YouTube page. Go to the Facebook page. Grow the family there. The Spirit World Podcast. We're waving to you. And it's so much fun to be on video with you guys. And you're going to hear a lot. And yes, we will discuss uh, Adam's background to his video. We will discuss that sometime during this broadcast, but it's very important that we talk about the topic today, deliverance and healing ministries and retreats. Um, It's that time of year where people are signing up for these things. And we really want to um, make sure you are fully aware of what to expect how you should prepare yourself before you sign up for these retreats and events okay why do why are we uh taking time the entire the spirit world adam to do this is because we have got emails uh wow just stacking up uh where people said they have attended some of these um sessions or events or retreats and they've walked away very very confused folks very confused And Adam and I are determined with solid catechesis and formation to set the record straight and to have you be fully prepared before you dive into anything spiritually. So, Adam... Why don't you start? uh, Oh, let me just make sure I um, give kudos to our uh, call screeners. Libby and Carol, they're going strong already. The phones are ringing. Look at this. 877-757-9424. So Carol and Libby are doing a great job on the phones. Tim at the controls. And Adam, take it away.
2: Okay, Deb. So. Let's start off with some real basics, and this this equally is uh, applicable in kind of the psychological world and and any of the helping professions, really. And that is, as you prepare, meaning you're thinking about going, you're going to do your due diligence before you sign up for an event or go to the event, the first thing I think it's good to do is to take pen and paper or get your computer and write down your goals for participating in this event. Specifically, your goals need to be reasonable, concrete, and measurable. So you need to be able to say, you know, my goal is to stop drinking, for instance. Is that reasonable? Well, maybe, maybe not. Is it concrete? Yes, it is. Is it measurable? Yes, because I could say I haven't had a drink in a month. There's That's the outcome that I'm looking for. Now, it might be a big leap if you're an alcoholic to say, I want to absolutely stop drinking by the end of this event that would be an example of a big goal that is concrete and measurable but let's take a smaller one maybe it is simply to forgive my sister over something that's been going on let's say it's not a huge deal it is reasonable you guys have worked things out before it's concrete you know it's something that can actually happen and it's measurable we're talking again so write down your goals make them reasonable concrete and measurable Compare your goals to what the event is offering or promising, so make sure, you know, what you're going to go participate in is designed to address what you're looking for. A lot of people have very vague ideas about this or just vague general ideas about wanting deliverance because life isn't going well maybe and they just generally want things to go better or they want, you know, whatever it is, whatever form of security that they're looking for. So I would say compare those goals to what they're offering. Make sure, this is a very practical one, Deb, make sure it's doable to, to participate in this. I've, I've seen some people, they've, they've offered to move across the country to get to a different diocese because there's a particular person or program there that they think is the only person that can solve their problem. People even flying over the oceans to go visit a priest um, in Italy because they think that's the only person that can do it. Make sure it's not an undue burden on you and your family to, to spend this money and time. With those first three, Deb, do you have any do you have any feedback on those?
1: I just yeah, I want to circle back to the very beginning, just because we have new listeners each and every time we broadcast, and we are being heard across the EWTN Global mm-hmm. Catholic Radio Network, so it's going all over the world. Adam, go back to a little bit of what uh, the definition of healing and deliverance retreats and ministries. What? How would you? I mean, because just a healing mass can take place. Uh, in our parishes all the time. You see them in the bulletins. Mm -hmm. So kind of uh, give us the definition and what what you're referring to.
2: Sure, so God, you know, healing and deliverance, they're both very broad terms and they can apply to, to many things in life that we need physical healing, emotional healing, psychological healing, healing within our family systems. Um, deliverance is being freed of an outside problem that's kind of oppressing us, and it generally is, is talking about things that are spiritual in origin. So, you know, I think I have this outside spiritual force that's been afflicting me, and I want to be delivered of that. You could also call, you know, deliverance prayer, where you're praying against spirits that might be affecting a person, or maybe if there, you think there's a curse there, that type of thing, that's also a form of deliverance. In a sense, exorcism is also a form of deliverance, Think of deliverance as the big umbrella that captures being freed of any spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people go to deliverance and healing situations, either for physical healing, you know, they, they've, they've gone through all the medical stuff and they're, they're, they're turning to God and looking for hopefully for a miracle, spiritual healings. They, they may have difficulties in life and they say, maybe this is spiritual. I don't know, but things are going so badly. I want to be freed of this. So it can mean different things for different people. And, and um, you know, on the very simple level, when we pray, it's almost always because we, we want some more security or we, we want to be freed of problems. Um, you know, hopefully our prayer life is broader than that, that we're just praising God, thanking God for being alive. But all, Honestly, we usually turn to God when we want something or we want to be freed of something. Right. So these are kind of events where people go to have somebody else do that work. So it's not just my prayer life, but I need this person. They're going to pray over me or, you know, they're going to say these particular prayers. Sometimes it's done in the form of a healing mass where they, there's a mass. And then after the mass, they they will say certain prayers and go around and maybe apply relics to people or holy water or anoint them with oil. Um, if they're particularly sick, maybe even, you know, the anointing of the sick, that type sure. of thing. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes, it makes great sense. But here's the thing. I've heard of people who have had, and you go, you've you talked about expectations. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people that have had alcohol addiction or drug addiction, and they've gone to some of these healing services, and they said, "Oh, I'm, I was miraculously healed, and I'm, you know, I, I've turned my life around, and all these kinds of things." I mean, is it isn't it possible that they were just ready to do that, and they also and you know, and God obviously stepped in and and there was assistance uh, with that, then that's fantastic. But they were Mm -hmm. also in a, probably in a place to to maybe tackle the addiction. What do you say to that?
2: Yeah, you know, Deb, I have seen it both ways. Um, I had a case that I was working on for years and in the course of praying for other clearly just spiritual issues, the person was spontaneously freed of alcoholism um, and drinking. It, mm-hmm. We hadn't even prayed against that specifically. But I think God freed him of that because that was an impediment for them getting to the right place spiritually. Right. And then shortly after, over the months of, of you know praying, the person was spontaneously freed of smoking. Was suddenly they wow. had no interest in smoking. It was like a light switch went off and wow. they had no craving, no interest, just like mm-hmm. with the alcohol. So I've seen it happen, um, but in that case, we we hadn't actually prayed against it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I uh, we had prayed for healing in general. Um, and then yes, what you're saying is true. A lot of times, you know, the placebo effect in medicine is when we have an expectation of a healing effect And we know placebo effect is very real and it's huge Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, you know, it's used in medicine all the time. So there can be a strong effect of expectation that this prayer is, is going to make a change in me and my mind can produce that. Honestly, it's usually not either or it's usually Mm -hmm. everything. It's some God, it's some of my expectation it's some of my own effort. uh, But, but in the end, if there's healing, that's, that's a great outcome.
1: Beautiful. Okay, so you have more to share with us about Deliverance and Healing Ministries and what we need to know and be aware of and the, and the proper expectations. We do have the phone lines just lighting up. There is a, an open phone line just for you. There's one line left, so please grab it. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. You hear that wonderful music. That is the Spirit World music. You can always email us. Tell us how much you love that music. TSW at GRNonline.com. Don't forget to wave to us on Facebook or YouTube at the Spirit World Podcast or at GRN online YouTube channel. We'll be right back.
3: Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute.
4: Christianity rises or falls with Jesus. If Jesus is just a myth, then Christianity is false. It's that simple. So is Jesus just a myth? The answer is no. Apart from the four gospels in Paul's epistles, which skeptics unfairly reject, we have non-Christian sources that affirm Jesus existed. For example, the first century Jewish historian Josephus in his work, Antiquities of the Jews, names Jesus, describes him as a doer of startling deeds, and affirms his crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. Cornelius Tacitus, a Roman historian of the first century, in his work Annals refers to a group of people called Christians, and describes the founder of their name as, quote, Christus, who was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius, close quote. So, was Jesus a real historical person? You better believe it. I'm Corlo Brusord with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
0: The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show. Call 877-757-9424 or email TSW at grnonline.com.
1: Okay, we are back here on the spirit world. I'm Debbie Giorgiani with Adam Bly and hopefully you. So make your call now. Don't wait any longer. This hour goes very, very quickly. 877-757-9424. And I know you have more to share with us, uh, Adam, about deliverance and healing ministries and retreats. We want to hear that, but I cannot make our streaming audience wait any longer. We do have folks watching on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, hi, you guys. Thank you for liking us at the spirit world podcast on Facebook or going to GRN online YouTube page. By the way, we have videos there. Scroll down. We have videos on angels and inside and exorcism and near death experiences, all sorts of uh, wonderful videos just for you. So make sure you share them with your friends, but I can't wait. You, I can't have you wait any longer. So Adam on the, on the back of his screen behind him, he has uh, for his background, the St. Michael beautiful statue with St. Michael with a very, very, looks like a very heavy uh, pointed sword. And the sword is pointing right into Adam's head. So Adam, why don't you share with our streaming (laughs) audience why you chose that as a background?
2: Well, number one, I wanted an image of St. Michael because he's kind of the patron of our show and always has been. Um, And he has helped me in my life a lot, helps us a lot in our ministry. Um, and I wanted an image that was off to the side so that he could be there. They're usually centered. And I wanted one that was active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has the sword out and, um, he's actively doing, uh, warfare in a sense, spiritual warfare, obviously. Nice. So yes, unfortunately, uh, it looks like he's poking me in the head with a sword <laughs> and that's okay because he's honestly, you humble. he there keeps you me in check and, right. and if I mess up, I, I remember who I have to answer to.
1: That is true. That is true, folks. So you can let us know what you think of the St. Michael background at TSW at GRNonline.com. Very interesting um, little bit of information there. So, Adam, a little bit more of, of, of what you want to share with us about deliverance and healing ministry, and then we'll get to the phones because Mary Beth, hold on, and Linda and Manuel and Cindy, hang on. Go ahead, Adam.
2: Okay. So a few things. Um, ask the question, is this ministry approved by the diocese? Is the diocese even aware of the event? Is the pastor of the parish it's happening in aware of the event and the ministry? Is this, a, is this somebody coming in from another diocese doing an event um, that isn't under a parish? Maybe it's just at a, at a hotel ballroom or something like that. If that's true, is the diocese and the pastor of, of uh, the territory that contains that event aware that that's going on? Because there have been instances where People come in, do an event without even letting the diocese know. Now, why is all this important, Deb? And you and I both do this in our work because we have to. If we go and teach in another diocese, you know, for myself, uh, you know, I regularly go and teach four bishops to train priests in other dioceses. Before that can be done, a letter of good standing has to go from our clergy office to their clergy office saying that, yes, I do work in the diocese, I'm in good standing, and I have competency in the area that I'm going there to teach in. So those kind of letters are a regular part of the church, Um, and if somebody's saying that that letter of kind of approval hasn't happened, um, understand that, you know, that is the norm. The, The church always checks on these things. Okay, so you want to look into the the event, and make sure it's it's uh, known to everybody and it's been approved. Okay. Now you got to ask the question: If my goals for going here um, are deliverance from something, have I covered the medical and psychological possibilities? A lot of people jump to the spiritual and they never look into the med- medical or the psychological. Um, I understand you know if you're having a strange experience and you have a Christian worldview you immediately can interpret it as spiritual but really it's critical to talk with your doctor and and if you have a therapist talk with your therapist and be open with them about what's going on Um, because you can leave something untreated because you're pursuing the spiritual possibilities that then could progress and become worse and we've talked about real examples of this in the past on the show. So that that's important. Don't don't uh, fail to, to do your due diligence about whether this is mundane. Okay. If this is possibly really genuine heavy oppression or possibly real possession. And I know a lot of people think they're possessed and they're not, but but let's say, you know, there's real indications of severe spiritual problems here and you have been working with your doctor. My advice would be that you need to work with somebody on an individual personal basis, Um, you know, a team of people that have competency in this. This is, in those instances, that's not the time to do something online or do something in a group setting, uh, because if you're in a group setting, it's likely there's gonna be a manifestation that's gonna be disruptive and scary to other people. Um, and, And also, you need particular focused help, if that's the case. All right, any thoughts on those, Deb? on the approvals and
1: no, that's I couldn't agree more. I, I speak in full time, I go around the country, speak at different conferences and mm. events and, we've had to get a letter of good standing from the very beginning. And so I have it through the diocese of Phoenix and even at the parish level, I have it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. very important. And, and don't, wouldn't you agree? It can't just be like somebody saying, well, I have a letter from another priest friend of mine and you know, right. I'm coming into this diocese and that, that's a that. And you, you've said this many times, Adam, and I think it's important that we say this again in the work that you do on a weekly basis, uh, with, uh, um, uh, the exorcism work that you do on a weekly basis, you've said it before that Jesus himself has has made it very clear that he wants it to be uh, respect for authority and obedience to authority. So when we go around the the rules, it can be problematic with Jesus, right?
2: Sure. And it's not that, you know, I'm hearing from Jesus or an or locution or right, anything right, like right. that. What What you're referring to, Deb, is when we're praying... We know that Jesus restrains the demons. He gives them the rules that they're bound by. And if somebody doesn't have proper authority from the church, permission to do this type of work, the demons know it, and they are not restricted by that Mm -hmm. person's commands. Mm -hmm. And it's Jesus who's enforcing that. So that's why we know that Jesus wants authority and structure, and he basically isn't going to back you up and provide that protection and that efficacy. Mm-hmm. um as a rule unless right. you have that proper authority from the church okay Go so ahead.
1: be obedient be faithful do it yes. the right way absolutely so just to recap and kind of bring it bring it um in in small doses for our, our listeners and for myself mm-hmm. so have reasonable expectations do your research make sure it's approved by the diocese make sure it's something that is legitimate in in the healing and deliverance area Um, and don't just go and jump to that spiritual reasoning, um, you know, check with your doctors to see if there's a brain health issue or something Mm -hmm. else going on Mm -hmm. that, you know, and have a comprehensive approach. You know, I think that's very important in in the coaching ministry that, that Jerry and I do through stand tall. We feel that all the time, like people will, will immediately jump to what they think it is. And then when you peel back the layers, it's, it's something (laughs) vastly different, and you're like, did you even spend time understanding, you know, what's going on in your life? Because this mm-hmm. all added up to the problem that you that you're suffering today. So, I think it's great. Um, Want to get to the phones now?
2: Well, can can I just wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go right okay. ahead. Okay. So let's say you've done all your due diligence. You you've gone through that whole process we just described. Now you're saying, okay, uh, I think it's reasonable for me to go there. Before you go, get in a state of grace, and that means go to confession don't have any unconfessed mortal sin on you, all right? Pray in the days before the event to receive the grace to get what Jesus wants you to get out of the event.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: When you go, fully participate in a sincere way and trust in Jesus while you're doing it, all right? Really fall into that trust, you know, look into the divine mercy, whatever it takes, trust him and fully participate. Understand that it it may be his will that you not get what you're looking for. It may not be your time to be healed of something. It may be that this thorn in your side is something that spurs you to spiritual growth, that, you know, from God's perspective, it's something that's being allowed. Mm -hmm. And finally, going back to what we mentioned before, understand that you may need additional help. There could be other layers to this. It's not saying that it's only medical and only spiritual. Right. We We pursue everything. So when somebody's going through exorcism work, they're receiving exorcisms, they're usually in therapy, and they might be being treated medically too. And we have conversations between everybody that's involved in those different dimensions of our humanity, Mm -hmm. um, of of our personhood. So don't be shy about pursuing the other routes of healing while you're doing the spiritual. And that's right. all, that's, those are my thoughts, Deb. I don't know if you have anything in addition no, to No, I think
1: it was fabulous. You gave us a, a ton of information and things that we need to, because we're coming up on Lent, and, and next week mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about Lenten practices and disciplines and being prepared for Lent, and these... These events are popping up all over the country, all over the world, folks. So it's very important we address it now. Um, We're going to get ready for a very quick break. Um, There you hear the music right on cue. Tim Mott is awesome. Tim, you are amazing as senior producer. Way to go. Um, When we come back... And now I will promise that we will go to Mary Beth, who's been waiting um, the entire show, actually. She called in right at the beginning of the show from Long Island, New York. Mary Beth, hang on. Manuel, if you'd like to call back from San Antonio, there's an open line for you. Also, there's an open line for you, dear listener. So come on, let's go. Fill that last phone line, 877-757-9424. Don't forget Facebook and YouTube on GRN Online. We're waving to you guys. We'll be right back.
3: This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. How can you turn a simple daily routine, something ordinary that you do every day, into a tool to renew your marriage? Transform a routine into a ritual. Rituals can build up and revive your marriage because it's a routine that has a positive emotional meaning that points to a deeper reality. Rituals can be little things like saying, I love you each day before leaving, or longer like a daily evening or morning walk together. One couple I know has a forgiveness ritual when they reconcile at the end of every day. Some tips on rituals. Make it a habit so it's easy to maintain. Make it time-limited so these are recognizable beginning and end. And the last tip, tie it to something you already do, like brushing your teeth or getting ready for bed. Apathy and indifference can destroy marriages, but by maintaining rituals, it helps marriages weather the storms of life. So if your wife likes it when you bring her flowers, ritualize it. For more tools for your relationship, visit us at messyfamilyminute.org. When you
4: find yourself peering into life's rearview mirror, wondering if your past will forever define you, it doesn't have to. Go to StandTallToday.com and register for your absolutely free consultation with one of our world-class life coaches. They can help you get started on a plan forward to living your best life. There's nothing to lose and an entire future to gain. Log on to StandTallToday.com for complete details. That's StandTallToday.com.
0: The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw@ at grnonline.com.
1: We're so glad you're with us on the spirit world. There is room for you to call in. One line there. Oh, oh, there might be another one. Cause Manuel, we're one more shout out to you in San Antonio if you'd like to call back. Here's the number 877-757. 9424. And Adam, I'm already getting comments coming in. Everybody seems to like your St. Michael statue. I do as well. Um, I think it's wonderful. So we will keep it in the show format because our listeners we aim to please. So as promised, if it's okay with you, unless you have anything else to share, let's uh, go to Mary Beth. She gets our Wow, like a virtual award, Patience Award, Mary Beth, from Long Island, New York, listening on the EWTN app. Hey, Mary Beth, welcome to the spirit world. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Go right ahead. So my
6: question has to do with soul ties. First of all, what exactly are soul ties? Secondly, are all soul ties unholy? Um, And third, how are they broken?
2: Hmm. Okay, Mary Beth, so I've heard this term used by different people in different ways. It isn't a, um, I don't believe it is a scripturally defined term, um, and, a, and the way people use it varies. So, um, basically it's kind of a spiritual connection. The closest thing I've seen to a genuine version of this is when people are married or when they have sexual relations that seems to create an ability for a spiritual problem in person A to be able to be transferred to person B. Or if person A is doing black magic or doing bad things to try to attack person B, the marriage provides kind of a bridge over which the spiritual effects are more likely to impact them. And also sexual activity seems to provide a similar bridge, though maybe not as strong. So um, I've heard soul ties being used in in other ways in in references to uh, perhaps curses or perhaps just a distant relative, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, um, with the relatives, if you're an adult, you don't have to worry so much about your ancestors in terms of your parents, grandparents, etc. Once you're an adult and of the age of reason, your spiritual state is between you and jesus if you marry you give a certain authority to your spouse over you and so there's a certain connection there um, now if you think there's a soul tie that is bad let's say we've had many people say well they had sexual relations with somebody it turns out were involved in black magic and the relationship went sour and now they think they're cursing them or doing things to them in my experience it's very simple and that is to go to confession Confess the sins, ask Jesus, ask the priest to say a basic, you know, basic deliverance prayer to ask God to break any connections that, that were spiritually made to that person. Um, yeah. So does that make sense, Mary Beth?
6: Yeah, no, it definitely does. Thank you.
2: Okay. Is there any other aspect of Soul ties you were curious about?
1: No. No, that's 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 it. You pretty much covered it all. Thank you so much. Oh, sure thing. Thank you, Mary Beth. Call us anytime or you can always email us at TSW at Mary Beth waited 30 minutes to get on air with us. So I so I'm so grateful that she did. And I'm and i your answer was amazing. So thank you so much, Adam. Um Adam, we are getting additional comments. Everybody definitely wants you to keep the St. Michael statue. Okay, guys, we heard you. You're we're gonna keep it. We like it. Uh, uh, Tim and I have decided that it grows it's growing on us. We're we love St. Michael, don't get me wrong, we love it and he is our, you know, patron for this wonderful show and we pray the St. Michael prayer before every show. It's just that he's stabbing you right in your your ear, you know, so Maybe it's... Maybe he's
2: inspiring my mind.
1: Oh, that's See? a With good a way sword. to look yeah. at it. There you go. I like the way you think, Adam. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to, we're going to get to, we're going to try to get to everyone's uh, calls today. Okay. Uh, we're determined. So let's go to Linda next and Linda is in Sharonville, Ohio, on Sacred Heart Radio. Linda, welcome to the Spirit World. Oh, thank you so very much. Thank you for so, waiting. Go right ahead. Ask your question or comment.
7: So I was, Adam, I was at church last week where the gospel was Jesus cast out the demons, the demon from the man in the synagogue,
2: mm-hmm. because
7: he recognized who Jesus was. And the priest went to such extent to tell the parish there's no such thing as demonic possession. Basically, in the Bible, people were stressed out, stress turned to mental illness, and that Jesus or his disciples basically never cast out demons. So after church, I had a talk to him, and I approached him kindly, and I said, Father, are you saying there's not demonic possession? And he yelled at me. He said, I didn't say that. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I'm saying Jesus never cast out demons. And I said, Father, you're an heir. And he started yelling at me. He said, I read thousands of books and there's no such thing. He said, I'm not going to argue with you. And I said, Father, I said, you are, I, I hope he forgives me. I said, you're not a good priest to talk to me like this. Jesus wouldn't. And he kind of laughed and he was yelling at me saying just there's no such thing. Jesus never passed out. And I said, you don't know Jesus. And then he said to me that he knew Jesus better than me, which probably a lot of people do. But, Adam, I'm so upset because I don't have to tell you. You have to know the enemy you're battling. And nobody cares. I tried to reach up Mm -hmm. to the highest level of the church, and they didn't care. So, Adam, are we seeing this in the Catholic church?
2: Yeah, Linda. So yeah, First, of course, I'm really sorry that happened. That sounds like a really bad experience. Um, so to be clear, if we're going to take the position that demons don't exist and possession isn't real, you really have to reject the Bible. You have to reject uh, the magisterium of the church that maintains that this is the truth of the church. You have to reject the catechism that says that it's real. You have to reject the popes, of which... All of the recent popes and of course previous in history too, but certainly the recent ones uh, have said every diocese should have an exorcist because this is real. Pope Francis talks about the devil regularly. There's headlines from him um, usually every at least once a month related to that. This is a teaching of the church and it's a reality to the church that the church has addressed through the solemn rite of exorcism that was updated in 1999. So instead of saying this was a medieval thing from the 1600s that we no longer do, in fact, the church updated the ritual and, and promulgated a new one in 1999 uh, that went through some revisions. So this simply is not the case, um, to say that with, within the church, you know, we don't believe this. Now, an individual priest may say that, but yes, you're correct, they are an error. I don't mean to be uncharitable, but honestly, that is a that is a blatant error. Um, because it contradicts the catechism and so if if somebody's contradicting the catechism by definition that's an mm-hmm. error i don't know what do you think deb
1: well i'm i'm quite disturbed at the way he treated you linda um but let me just get a couple things um clear you didn't obviously have like an argument with him in front of other parishioners and and humiliated him in any way it sounds like it was it was somewhat private and you were just saying father can i just address this with you it it, it am i correct
7: Yes, and how could I not speak up for sweet Jesus? What kind of person would I be if I didn't take up? Because I'll have to tell you, the demons are out there, and and people are so scared in the times, and they Mm -hmm. need to know the enemy they're fighting
1: well, there's a lot of false um, ideas about things being floated right now, Linda. That's why, like Adam said, you have to stick with the church's teaching and what we've always believed. And, in you know, if you're going to go down that slippery slope that this apparent uh, particular clergy member did, um, it, you're, you, you're pretty much disregarding and, and rejecting everything we believe in. So, I mean, it, it really is a, a terrible uh, thing to start to go down. Um, however, uh, what I would say as just to help this priest, because clearly you need, if you, it sounds like you care about him and you'd like to help him. Here's a couple suggestions I would, I would, uh, if you're open to it, if I, may I make? Are you open to it, Linda? It sounds like you tried a couple things, but let's try it again. What do you say?
7: Okay, I I don't know if he wants to because he was yelling at me like, right. he didn't want
1: to talk to me. He walked away, but I, I would I, do it. I understand. Okay, so, so what I would do is in a very kind, uh, the, the most – You know, the kindest way and most gentle way you can do it, I would send a letter. I would also sign your name because the diocese will not uh, address, most of them will not address uh, uh, comments coming in from parishioners if the name is not attached because they don't feel it's, if they can't put their name on it, um, they're not going to really spend the time to address it. Okay, I would put your name on it and I would just say to uh, his bishop, in the diocese that you're in. And I would just say, listen, I love, I start off with, I love this, this priest. He's wonderful. He's our, he's our pastor. This, this is what happened. This is uh, put all the details. I was only trying to, I wasn't trying to argue with him, ruin his day, make him yell at me or any of the above. I was just trying to state the truth of of, of our faith. I think you, I would say this to the bishop in a wonderful, kind way. I think you may have an issue if he is floating these ideas, because you're going to confuse parishioners. You're going to mess their understanding up of what the church teaches. And that's problem. And the bishop needs to know that clearly. And then I would add, Linda, I would do this. I would say, and I do not appreciate our shepherds and our priests yelling at at a parishioner that is in, in the time and day we live in that and the way the church is is having so many problems and division that is not appropriate it's not appropriate Linda and honestly he may have been having a bad day and I feel for him or maybe he just doesn't understand things and I feel for him but he should not be yelling at parishioners what do you say to that Linda
7: um, yeah, I agree with you. And I have been praying for him. And I thank both of you for bringing me some peace because it has upset me. Because I'm thinking what's going on. So and I, you never want, I never approach a priest. I never do. I'm not that tight. But I thought that was a grave, grave mm-hmm. sin against me, Jesus. But I thank you for both of your time. I appreciate you brought me a lot of peace
1: good good okay. keep us posted we're going to pray that this gets gets um, uh, uh fixed in a way that he has a better understanding and he can he can um be clear about our our church teaching linda so thanks for trusting us with your with your comment and i'm sorry you had to go through that experience okay we're going to go to um Let's go to who's, uh, help me out, Tim. Who's next? I just, oh, Lou. Okay, we're going to Lou. Um, see, our senior producer is right on top of things. We have like almost full phone lines. Lou from Queens, New York, listening on Sirius XM 130. Take it away, Lou.
5: Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, the previous call uh, gave me something to think about. I mean, they all do, obviously, but this one about the exorcisms. You know, uh, I've I've studied the Bible and I read the Old Testament, and I can't think of a single instance where there was an exorcism mentioned in the Old Testament. Can you help me out with this and point one out to me?
2: Yeah. So, um, and so there was the one where Saint Raphael was invoked to deal with a particular demon that that was afflicting. It was killing the suitors of a woman uh was that the book of tobit i think it was deb i think it was the book of tobit yes i um, believe so yes yeah where where there is a there's a a woman who is afflicted by a particular demon that every man that tried to marry her would quickly die mm-hmm. um and it turned out that there was this spirit that was jealous of the woman and and killing the men. it's not super clear if she was possessed or if it was just nearby and hurting people uh, but the archangel Raphael was was invoked and defeated that spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example. And so the book of Job is not an example of possession, but it's an example of extreme oppression. Right. It's, it's a statement about uh, if the devil is given permission, uh, can produce physical ailments that are very concrete and real wounds on the body, that type of thing. Uh, So there's uh, there's that material, Lou. The other thing, it's not strictly Old Testament, but to understand that at the time of Jesus, going back to the synagogue at Capernaum story that was referenced by the previous caller, the idea of exorcisms was not new when Jesus did it. Uh, it was not. It was not a big deal, and wasn't causing a lot of drama. That Jesus had done an exorcism in the synagogue at Capernaum. In fact, the Jews. It was a well-known ministry. There was there was groups of rabbis that would go around and and for a fee would do exorcisms. Probably some were done for free also, but it was it was a ministry that was going on and well known. It was that when Jesus did it, he didn't invoke the name of Solomon or Elijah or some other holy figure or he didn't read from the Old Testament, he simply said, get out. And that's what caused the reaction in the people, not that he had done an exorcism. So in the Jewish mind of the time of the New Testament, which points back to the Old Testament, in their history, exorcism was well known. So I don't know if some of those help, Lou.
5: No, no it does, it, it does. I thought about the two examples you gave, but you're uh, right, right, the way it's presented, and in the New Testament, obviously, it's miraculous because all he did was say, "Get out," and who had the authority to say that? But only God. Right. And uh, that's what. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate the uh, the analysis.
2: Oh, it's, sure uh, thing. Lou. It's
5: a, it's, a, it's an eye opener, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though that the disciples are, are when they went out and to perform. Uh, to perform uh, exorcisms uh, mm-hmm. they they appeared to, to be like astounded that they were able to do it
2: yeah yeah and and that was part of what Jesus gave to his church explicitly he gave authority mm-hmm. over the demons to his church and that was that was a different situation it was uh, it was a paradigm shift so before Jesus, one would invoke holy figures that right. presumably were, were with God in the bosom of Abraham, um, but Jesus explicitly gave authority to his church. But remember, he said, don't don't be um, happy that you have such authority over demons now, but be happy that your names are written in heaven, mm-hmm. which goes back to what Deb so helpfully always brings us back to is our goal is to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? right that's all in the end we're going to care about we're not going to care about any of this other stuff yeah we have to deal with it while we're alive here on earth but ultimately always bring your mind back to how do i get to heaven
1: mm-hmm. amen to that lou you're you're awesome thank you so much we appreciate the call today call us again please sir okay thank you lou okay we're going to before we go to um before we go back to the phones, let me just address this because this came in from YouTube. Adam, if you want to wave to Timoteo, he sent in a wonderful question here, very important uh, about our topic today. What about deliverance rights done online in a live stream broadcast, for example? Is this proper? Adam, this is why mm. we did this broadcast.
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's complicated. I think it's, pro- it's potentially problematic To be you know really careful about this Um, again when you're working with somebody in this area if there is a spirit that turns out is possessing the person and that spirit gets agitated by the prayers and then takes over the the body of the person for a period of time well if you're not working in person with a team there you could cause a manifestation like that and you're over the internet and the person manifests and then walks away from the camera and you probably don't even know what city they're in because they just logged in under a name in Facebook or something else. Um, You don't necessarily even know where they are or have a way to call 911 in the town that they're in and and get some help for them. So I I think it can be a little bit risky that way. Um, Secondly, you know, deliverance prayer is essentially Jesus, please help this person. Uh, If you do, so that's a petition to God. If you do a direct command, something like in the name of Jesus, leave this person, get out. That's that's an exorcistic type of prayer because it's a command. It's not saying that you're using the exorcism right, but it's an exorcistic type of prayer. Generally, I think it's wiser to do those types of prayers in person um, because they're, you're, you're taking those out of when the church does those types of prayers, generally there's other things involved, like uh, the priest wearing a purple stole and being able to put that on the head of the person, um, presenting a crucifix to the person, Um, using holy water is very common. There's often more to the ministry when you're getting into exorcistic type prayers um, than just the prayers. So I, I think prayer, priestly prayer, often does involve, you know, contact or touch perhaps to the head, that kind of thing during the prayer. I just, I think it's potentially problematic uh, to do this online. Tim,
1: that was a great uh, couple questions. Thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate it. That's why we did this topic, because we found that there were more online services like that being provided. Mm -hmm. There's more questions coming in on YouTube. If we don't get to you guys, I know you guys are are watching us, and we're so grateful. Um, We're going to have to pick up the pace because we have folks waiting online to get on air with us. And let's go to Cindy in Wyoming, uh, SiriusXM130. Cindy, uh, welcome to the spirit world. Good morning, you two. Thank
6: you for thank you for your ministry. I so thank look you. forward to this every Saturday morning. I appreciate Aww.
1: it. Oh, thank you, Cindy. We love you back. Go right ahead. Yes.
6: So, Adam, I would like to ask you, I have a puzzling, perplexing question. Um, I have a Native American daughter-in-law, and we've just got a grandson. And so I know Native American spirituality is different from Christianity. But anyway, so my question is regarding amulets because my daughter-in-law was given from her great aunt like this when the baby was born to have the umbilical cord saved and put into like this beaded artwork thing and this this thing would bring the baby prosperity and survival and health and strength these these type of I don't know if you call them virtues or attributes to the child when it grows up but I was I was concerned because we are practicing Catholics. And I thought, what is this? Is this like a rabbit's foot? Or And I was curious. So I thought, I'd like your input on this, Adam.
2: Yeah. So, you know, not bashing any other religious system, not bashing Native American um, belief systems. And, and of course they vary, by the way, of course, depending on the tribe that you're talking about. So it, you know, not all Native Americans are the same. Um, But from a Christian perspective, that would be seen, I think, Deb, would be seen as superstition. And that means putting um, trust in an object that is not related to God, right? So we don't want to put absolute trust in an object even related to God, like to say, well, this crucifix is the thing that's going to save me. Well, that's putting your faith only in that physical object versus it's the crucifixion of Christ, his action in dying on the cross that is saving me. Understanding that that kind of is a sign that points back to the spiritual reality of what Jesus did. When we put our faith in something that is unrelated to Christ, unrelated to Christianity, you're making an idol out of it, right? So it's in a in a roundabout way, and perhaps in a very direct way, depending on where your mind is at, um, when you're doing this, how you're thinking, you're violating the first commandment because you're not putting God first, you're putting an object and putting trust in an object as opposed to in God.
1: So what can, what can Cindy do? Because this is her daughter-in-law.
2: Right. So this is, this has got to be, you know, a charitable, gentle discussion in the family. Um, Ultimately, as the child grows up, they're going to make their own choices. But, you know, if, if this is your daughter-in-law's baby, um, she does have rights and authority as the mother but if she's marrying into the family that's just got to be a discussion that you're gonna have and maybe you can reach um, something that will make both of you happy but I would explain the fact that from a Christian perspective you know it's incompatible it's superstition from our perspective From her perspective, she may say, well, from my perspective, it's a good thing, and in my faith, it's a fine thing. And you're going to have to come to some compromise where everybody Mm -hmm. basically can work that out. And I can't tell you what that compromise would be, um, but you know, if you're feeling strongly about it, have a discussion, explain why you're feeling strongly about it. And if Mm -hmm. she feels strongly about it, I don't know, Deb. In a sense, um, having somebody mediate or or help you
1: go to a priest maybe Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah cindy does that uh, cindy does that help for now but you know what you just gave me an idea we're going to make a note of it and we'll address this in a whole entire broadcast okay perfect
6: perfect oh no it's great it's great that's great wisdom because in my thoughts when you're talking my daughter-in-law is she's very close to wanting to become catholic with us Mm. and continue her lifelong journey being a catholic and so i think she looks at this as somewhat whimsical also Mm -hmm. and she's also because she really doesn't know either because she's generations down already from the Mm -hmm. true you know native americans here um Mm -hmm. and so if that makes sense and so she well
1: yeah cindy yeah cindy she wants to be true to her culture and respectful. Respectful to her culture, and that's understandable, and and that's and I think that's really wonderful, but she's but she's being drawn into the Catholic Church, which is fantastic. So I say let her go deeper, have more of an understanding, and and the more she understands and and comes to that place of knowing, she will she will shed some of these other things that 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 maybe um, came in through her her childhood. But Cindy, I didn't mean to to step on your call right there. It's only because um, our producer is is giving us um, signals that we're getting ready to close the show. So Cindy, we, we thank you for the kind words. We will definitely uh, put it on the, um, the uh, calendar for a future broadcast. Thank you so much, Cindy. On YouTube, we're getting questions about um, exorcists uh, that are saying that um, that Satan is being personally split in three to, to mock the Holy Trinity. Anything you know about that? They, it, it was mm. p- supposedly revealed during an exorcism.
2: Well, Deb, in general, you have to be very careful about anything revealed during an exorcism because we know by definition the devil lies, right? Jesus Mm -hmm. tells us that very clearly when he speaks, he lies. It's his native tongue. And so we don't want to, basically, we don't want to rely on the devil's testimony uh, outside Mm -hmm. of the few things that the church enforces, which is what's your name, how did you enter, and when are you leaving? Outside of those, we can't rely on anything that he says.
1: Okay, I'm going to get a quick a comment from you from Albert's situation. Albert, we're not going to be able to bring you on air with us. But if you can listen, let me let me ask the question real quickly of Adam. Adam just moved into a, uh, a place, uh, a, a house or an apartment. And um, it, you talked about spiritual authority. He's um, okay, they're paying the mortgage, um, but don't own the house. Can they have the house blessed? Yes or no?
2: Yeah, they can because they're living there, so they have they have a shared authority. They have shared rights over the house. Okay, Albert, does that work real quickly?
4: Uh, that that is good. I was just confused because my father actually owns it, but I'm living there and I'm paying the mortgage, so I just didn't yeah. know if I could do it. You can, reason. yes,
1: yes, yes, you can, Albert. Yep, go right ahead, have it blessed. I always recommend get things blessed. Linda and uh, Marie and the others, we're not going to get to you today, but we have um, an open forum show coming up in a couple weeks. Okay. You hear that wonderful music. We're waving to all the YouTube and Facebook groups. Thank you. Please like us on Facebook at the spirit world podcast. Also, you can go to GRN online on the YouTube channel. Check out all the other videos we have there. Adam, thank you so much. You are a great co-host. We want to thank our show team, senior producer, Tim Mott. And also, wonderful that Libby and Carol did such a fine job. So for Adam Bly, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon.